everybody, Justin Mack again for another episode of My Therapy. Thanks for uh, jumping in and uh, taking part. Uh, today, my guest is Ryan Forsyth. He is a mental health advocate, public speaker, uh, all-around good guy, as I uh, discovered through our conversation. Uh, but most significantly for me, at least, uh, he is the host of the Life in Red podcast. His podcast is a lot like mine in a number of ways. Um which is really cool. He talks to a ton of different people about different subjects, usually linking back to mental health in some way. And uh, mine is probably a little more focused on mental health, but because that's his interest and his passion, he ties that in a lot to his uh, uh, conversations as well. So really excited to share with you our conversation on this episode. And uh, we, we talked about lots. We talked about uh, his uh, history with uh, mental illness uh, his uh, advocacy work, speaking, and really all over the map from uh, content and podcasting. We talked extensively about podcasting, actually, and uh, things as wide-ranging as uh, the microbiome and how that might link to mental health. So all over the map on this one a little bit, but uh, Ryan was a a fountain of knowledge and a very captivating uh, conversation. So I'm I'm really excited to share it with you. So here we go. You ready? Let's get into it with Ryan Forsyth. Pleased to welcome to today's podcast, Ryan Forsyth. How's it going? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Good. Uh, so... This is almost becoming a series on on my podcast where I like to interview other podcasters because I'm a nerd like that. So uh, <laughs> that's the basis behind today's conversation because I came across a tweet uh, when you uh, revealed that you were nominated for an award by Faces Magazine and Ottawa for Best Podcast. Your podcast is Life in Red Podcast. And what I love about it, I, on your uh, Twitter bio for the podcast, it it spoke to me. Real conversations, real people, a guest-focused podcast about the world and people in it. Um, in a lot of ways, that also describes mine. So um, that's cool. We have that in common. Um, what's it like to be on the other side of it? <laughs> yeah, I've done a few now. Um, it's always interesting, but I always appreciate having other content creators or uh, broadcasting professionals or anything like that on, on mine as well. Cause uh, I'm sure you can understand when you, when you get some people on uh, while well, they have a great story, sometimes it's hard to coach the conversation or, or steer it in ways that you, you want it to go. So, um, well, I'm always fascinated in people's thoughts and, and opinions and views on things and things I can learn about. Uh, it's always interesting to get your, to be on the other side and get your own thoughts and opinions out there. And hopefully people, uh, you know, don't take me too harshly <laughs> on social media or anything. Nice. Uh, so first off, the, 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 the catalyst for this conversation, that award uh, nomination by Faces Magazine, first of all, how did you hear about it? How's that feel? Like, what, what was your initial reaction to be nominated for that? Yeah, uh, it's pretty cool. Um, through my my job, which is in radio, um, my, we've been nominated a few times, so I was very familiar with the process and and um, how how nominations come out. Um, 
one of my friends who works with me who got nominated for a few awards, um, his name's Dylan Black, a radio broadcaster and TV announcer here in Ottawa. Um, he, he got word that he got nominated. And when he went on to check nominations, he noticed that my podcast was up there too, which I, I thought was, was really, really cool. Um, it, it's a user-based um, kind of submission process. So people nominate things that they want. So if you go on and, and see um, who who's nominated, they have a lot of different categories for pretty much almost anything you can think of in Ottawa. And then each category has quite a few different nominations. So um, it's a great way, I guess, to be recognized and, and get the word of the podcast out there. So uh, it really means a lot to me in, in that sense that people who might not able have to be able to have found me before might be able to find me now. Do you ever, have you ever had a nomination like this before? Not, not personally. Uh, I, at least in something like a project I was doing, I have been nominated for awards through, through work. Um, but nothing, nothing based on my own kind of endeavors and passions to be recognized like that. So to be on that side of it, where it's kind of solely me and not based on teams or, or employment or, or what you do at work, um, that, that definitely was really gratifying. So along the lines of the conversations I always have with fellow podcasters um, that are in this uh, mental health space, uh, why did you want to start a podcast and how did that come about? So, uh, obviously being in radio, uh, we hear a lot about podcasts and where the space of, um, you know, listeners are, are going that while, well, yes, they still listen to radio, the podcasts are becoming, you know, ever more popular and, and in a way where I work in traditional media, not, nothing is really necessarily censored it's not like some somebody sitting there telling you you have to say this or you have to say that but there are rules there are legalities there are certain functions of traditional media that and obligations that you have to meet so a, a podcast space was always very interesting because it's a little more no holds barred um, truly you can say anything while there is consequences obviously for things you can say I've always appreciated that uh that about the space so i'm an opinionated guy i have lots of opinions and uh i have no problem talking or talking to people and learning so it was something i always really thought about um i'm a big joe rogan fan and uh i was listening one day to a podcast episode he was doing with uh henry rollins uh, i'm not sure if you're familiar who henry rollins is the name sounds familiar but it's not coming to me who he is yes so he's uh, he came up in the in the, the kind of punk scene on a in a band called Black Flag, but since then he's kind of opened up like a, a spoken word type thing. He's a, a radio host. He is a, an, an author. He kind of has gotten famous by basically sharing his stories. He's a great orator and storyteller, but um, also on just kind of sharing his thoughts on on life and society and and through lessons of that he's learned so anyways he, he was talking to joe rogan and both of them kind of agreed you know you you reach that pinnacle of success like how do you get there and it was just like they both were like you just do it you just whatever you want to do mm. you just do it and you do it wholeheartedly and you really try at it and you know if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out but it's not going to work out if you never try it anyway and it just listening to it that day i was just kind of like 
really resonated with me. So the next day I was, I was in the gym and I'm fortunate to have a, a gym in uh, the place that I work, which right across from the gym is a studio. Um, so I was just in there working out, you know, clearing my head. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. So <laughs> literally finished it up, walked across uh, into the studio and, uh, just kind of started brainstorming. What's the name going to be? What's it going to look like? How do I even get it started? Um, I have some audio producing background uh, through radio. So I, I kind of knew how that worked and knew a little bit about marketing. And um, I just was, I'm going to start it that day. So uh, I came up with the name Life in Red uh, for those who, you know, you can't see me. So I'm a, I'm a redhead, I'm a ginger. So that was kind of the, the thought process behind all that. And um, just, recorded an intro that day uh, and I uploaded it to SoundCloud and just kind of started from there. How long have you been doing it? Uh, August 2018. So just over a year, year and a half about. Um, and uh, about, uh, I'm at 41 episodes. So nice. they say consistency is key and definitely <laughs> have found trouble hitting the consistency part, but, uh, mm -hmm. it's been a very enjoyable process. So you're also a mental health speaker and advocate and is, uh, I, um, going through, I didn't listen to all your episodes, but I listened to a couple of the most recent ones and, uh, mm -hmm. going through all of them. I'm, I, I trust that these are largely focused on mental health. Well, n not necessarily. Um, obviously, with me being involved with the mental health community here in Ottawa, that just kind of comes about as uh, an easy way for me to get guests or people who who know me and want to share their story. Um, so there is, you know, a, a large amount of, of people who want to share their mental health story or, or talk about it. There's definitely certain aspects, I guess you could also um, talk about that as well. Like there's uh, fitness people who come on or, or entrepreneurs or content creators. Almost every conversation I have with people sort of has an element of mental health into it, but I wouldn't go ahead as far as to say that everything has to do with mental health. Um, even as part of my conversation, like it's kind of an open format. So really it can go anywhere based on how we're talking and how the interaction is. But um, yeah, a lot of the people who do come on is definitely involved with mental health and um sharing their stories or their experiences and, and, and the like. So pardon me if, if you answered this, uh, but I want to go back to kind of what mm -hmm. was the catalyst to sit, to get up and say, this is what I want to do. I want to start a podcast. Yeah. So I, I guess at the time was, there was a lot of kind of, I mean, you're on Twitter. There was a lot of cultural discourse going on, um, whether that's based on, you know, uh, race, uh, the Me Too movement, um, transgender issues, uh, people of color issues. There's just, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of kind of um, discourse happening where a lot of people had a lot of different opinions and I was kind of getting lost in it all. I'm like, okay, I, I don't know. You know, a lot of people are saying this. A lot of people are saying this. I, I don't really know where to to focus my energy on, on best to help and how best to learn. It's kind of exhausting. So what, what, what's that? It's kind of exhausting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was like, you know what, like, there's too much going on. There's too many people throwing a bunch of stuff out there. And like, there's, there's too much to know. And there's too much to focus on. Now, one of my, 
I would say my greatest strengths as a human is the ability to interact with people and kind of have like a genuine connection right off the bat. Um, so that those two things, I was like, I, I just want to talk to people. I want to talk to people about, you know, sometimes it can be silly, but sometimes I want it to be a hard conversation. Um, I did an episode with uh, my friend uh, who I met through the podcast now. Her name's Carrington. And we did an episode on um, Indigenous issues, you know, and I learned so much through that that process. And I was also able to have questions answered that I had that might be seen as, on, on the internet anyway, as controversial or or, you know, people had things to say about it. So I was able to have a conversation with someone who's more of an expert in the field. I'm like, okay, here's how I feel. What does that look like? Why is that problematic to you? And then we were able to just have a, a genuine conversation where I was able to dissect things and listen to what she had to say about it and really kind of internalize that and, and form different opinions um, and, you know, change my views on some things. I think that's critically important. And with social media, it's kind of what we're missing. So like that was the goal all along. I just wanted to talk to people and I wanted to do it in a healthy, respectful, responsible way where, you know, I'm learning something. Maybe my guest is learning something and people who are listening are learning something. So that was kind of what really drove me to wanting to start a podcast. And then it was Joe Rogan and Henry Rollins who kind of pushed me over the edge to finally say, I'm just going to go do it and we're going to see what happens. It's it's interesting you bring up Joe Rogan because he's a lightning rod in a lot of ways, but I, I also am a, I'm a really big fan uh, simply because and he gets a lot of hate because he doesn't hold, necessarily hold people's feet to the fire sometimes. And my, my rebuttal to that is, well, he's not a journalist. He's just, he's doing podcasts. He's having conversations. And uh, I just, I was talking to my wife about this before uh, I came in here to record this. And um, I was talking about how some podcasts will have like uh, more of a production feel to it, where it's like a 10 or 15 minute cut up interview. The best pieces go in and uh, the rest of it ends up on the cutting room floor. Whereas... Joe Rogan can talk for three hours and there can be a lot of whole lot of uh, what people may interpret as dead space in there or nonsense, but there's something about it where I would rather listen to that free flowing style of conversation and listen for three hours and just experience people's opinions and knowledge on subjects that you would never anticipate in like a regular form of media versus that, that clipped up abbreviated version that it's almost like the, the greatest hits. Like it's almost now they think about it. It's kind of like, I don't listen to greatest hits albums. I want to listen to the everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, what we're seeing right now is kind of new guard versus the old guard, I think. So when you coming from a traditional media background, what, what you're told and what through research and what has been done all along is you want to keep things short, you want to keep them concise, and you want to keep things moving. And in the old guard, you know, it seems that people, you know, research would suggest that people have a shorter attention span right now. And you know what, for the majority, maybe that's true. And what traditional media is trying to do is reach the majority. They want the most eyeballs or they want the most ears to be on them so then they can monetize those through advertisements 
what I'm learning and what I'm fascinated about now, especially working in, in traditional media, is this new guard, this new wave of, of media. If you look at YouTube and, and Instagram influencers and famous podcasters, what they're becoming famous on is authenticity and actually bringing to life a story to their own and making a brand out of it. So before, you know, if you were to ask, you know, someone in charge of radio, listen, we don't care that you like listeners don't care that you went to the store that day and they don't care about who you talk to and they don't care about this. You go and watch a YouTube vlogger who maybe gets millions of views. That's all they're talking about. And yet it's extremely successful. My thought too, so I'm I'm on the same, I don't edit my podcast. I want it to be an authentic conversation. Um, my thought is, is like, look, there's 7 billion people in this world and maybe four or 5 billion want, want, you know, quick things. They want one minute in, one minute out. That's all I got time for. I'm busy, I'm busy. That's fine. But that's still leaving me two or 3 billion people who actually want to dissect an issue, learn about a problem, um, learn from somebody that maybe thinks different from they are and, and hear their points of views. You know, someone like Joe Rogan, like, I don't agree with everything he says. Um, his view, frankly, on mental health, that I can just take mushrooms and go to the gym, I'm going to feel better. <laughs> I don't, that's not, that's frankly not it. But just because I don't agree with him on that doesn't mean I can't agree with him on other issues. Same with his guests. One of the things I really appreciated about it is, you know, he'll have right-wing people on or or controversial figures, um, as I use air quotes, uh, but he'll have them on. And to a lot of people, that's problematic because you're giving a platform to to people who can cause harm or or their views might cause harm on people. And that's fine. What I do is I'm like, okay, like this is your line of thinking. Interesting. Um, I can maybe see how you got there, or maybe I can't, but then you can attack their, their line of thinking with, you know, facts that you have in your line of thinking, right? Like that's how it's all supposed to work. Okay. Like, I don't understand how you think white people are better. Interesting that you got there, but maybe you think of it this way. Um, like that's to me what it's supposed to be about. And that's why I appreciate it about it. Um, so, you know, it's going to be interesting the way it goes. You know, you see a platform like TikTok that's extremely popular right now. And again, that's super concise, uh, like content. Same with Vine a couple of years ago. Uh, Twitter, you can only use 280 characters. There is that element. And yes, that is extremely popular. And yes, maybe the majority wants that. But let's not forget that there are a lot of people who actually want to really hear like a whole story. They want to, you know, like people will read a whole book. People will watch a whole Netflix show, you know, eight hours of their life in one night if they can. There are people like that. As long as the content's good or engaging enough, there's room for it in the space. And I think that's really important for people to remember. Yeah, it also it almost makes me feel like the whole idea, and for background, I come from a media background as well. And uh, like that idea that short is better, keep your written content to 200 words, keep your uh, your radio or TV spot in 90 seconds, like that stuff, like it's almost seems like it, maybe it's a fallacy. Like that's somebody came up with this idea that that's what gets, that's what gets the attention. Let's just roll with it. Let's not question it. This is what works. This is the formula. But now we're seeing podcasts, Netflix, other things you mentioned there 
where it's long form and people are really eating it up. So it's it's kind of turning the whole thing on its head. If the content is good, people will come. That's important thing to remember. So, you know, if, if a young podcaster is listening or someone who wants to start a YouTube channel is listening and they're like, yeah, but all my friends say that, you know, my videos are too long, 28 minutes. I'm not watching that. Yeah. You know what? They might not. But there are people who will. I Like I said, I don't think that the long, the short form content is necessarily wrong, that that line of thinking is wrong, because I do know a lot of people who say that um, in media and in out of media. So I just think there there's different people um, and some might appreciate short form content in, in some aspects and then long form in another. What I think it is, is if you're a content creator and you want to start something, don't be driven by what either say do what you feel is right and what you want to do and then work with it at that i mean that doesn't say like you can't learn uh look at look at your analytics look what's working look what's not working follow patterns but do what you believe in and for me i believe in long-form content um and i think that's you know really what it comes down to if the content is good enough people will come and people will stay and people will engage and that's that's the big thing once you let people in and and understand you you know that that builds the community that builds people who will follow you because they share your thoughts or your opinions or if you have a guest that'll get people to follow them because they they hold the same views as or or principles as they do when you're only restricted to a minute or 200 words there's not enough to get out you know about what you really mean it's how easy is it to get lost on twitter when you see a tweet that's taken out of context right like Mm -hmm. it it happens like that it's not enough to get your actual thoughts and opinions out there so i there's room for both and i don't think either is right or wrong in my opinion i feel like our opinions here are very aligned and i'm getting a lot of positive reinforcement right now so i like that (laughs) um back on i wanted to go back again uh to the the and I don't want to dwell on it. I feel like I'm. I don't want to. I don't want to make you bang your head against the wall. But on the podcast and why start a podcast? Um, like what was it about that audio medium versus like you could have written a book or you could have written a blog and do interviews that way? What made you want to do it as as a as an audio platform or even a YouTube channel? Yeah, no, um, that's a good question. Uh, I don't. I don't think I'm very photogenic. Uh, my girlfriend and mom might disagree, but <laughs> um, I, I I don't personally like pictures of myself. And even trying to promote my podcast, right? People are like, take videos. Video content does the best. And I'm just, I'm not as comfortable with that. Um, I'm much more confident just, just kind of talking and, and, and hiding behind a microphone and screen. That's just right now where it is. That's not to say, you know, you know, as a, as a content creator yourself and as a brand, you know, you might have a podcast and a YouTube channel and do videos and it might all become all encompassing, but I didn't want to, I, I wasn't comfortable at least w- enough when I started. Um, I wasn't even, I just even got into public speaking at that time and became a speaker. So for me, it was much more of a comfortability thing. Um, and as for writing, like I, when I write something well, um, I really enjoyed it. I'm really proud of it, but I'm just too damn lazy to, to write a big <laughs> long piece. Um, to me, that's where I fall short, where I, I don't have the, the 
attention span to sit there and write something without a due date. Like I'm always, always the person in school to wait till the last minute to write, to write an essay or, or write a report. Um, I'm just much more comfortable just talking. I'm just talking to people, um, sitting down face to face and talking. Now that said, if that was being recorded on video, that's a lot different for me. Um, that's somewhere I might want to take it eventually. It's just the logistics and everything are just a little bit more difficult. Um, just recording audio, man. I, you can just, we're sitting here. I don't know. I'm on my phone sitting in my office at work. How easy is that? Like I can take this thing anywhere and we can record a podcast and boom, there we go. It's out, it's out on the web and, and everything's all good. Uh, to me, that's so accessible to everybody and, and fascinating and that I can go anywhere, a library, the street and just record a podcast and it's right out there. So for me, the, the audio, it was more of a, just an ease and comfortability thing. It is. Yeah. I don't know if that's a word. <laughs> no, I, I get it though. And uh, I, yeah, you make a great point about just the ease of it that, and it, it goes back to this just conversational flow thing. We're not forcing anything right now. But what's interesting about that on the other side is that if I were to write something and I don't have a blog, I just have a podcast, same as you. Um, but it would probably like if I interviewed you and then put together a written piece, it would probably take me less time. It's like I'm committing the time and committing more time to having this fleshed out conversation. Um, but it's easier. It's, it's an interesting dynamic. It's more genuine. I mean, regardless, we would be having the conversation and you would write about it. But for me, and I think you might agree that it's more genuine for the listener to hear it from the person's mouth rather than it filtered out. You know, we, we trust journalists and journalists um, do a great job. Um, but when it comes to internet and content writing, especially when it's it's not under, you know, kind of these, these laws and legalities that, you know, someone like journalism and reporting has, like, right, you have facts that you need to, to answer and and these laws that you have to follow or you'll get reprimanded if i were just to do this and you're to do it for a blog you could write anything and i could say anything but you could just write it all out um and totally misrepresent me and, and what i said and take things out of context and other than me taking you to court which would be incredibly time consuming um and not to mention the money aspect of it that there's no recourse for me like you to to take what you said and get it off the internet um once it's out there it's out there so sometimes you also have to look at that i'm not i'm not, I'm not <laughs> saying you would have done that or or anything but it's something you always have to be wary about whereas it's like a podcast yes you can take my voice and clip it all up but you know it's it's a little bit more real yeah, and uh, yeah, I definitely understand where you're coming from there. That uh, at least the people are hearing your your real voice as opposed to what's written on paper. Like you, you have you have your rights in a way. Or I guess that, I don't know. I'm saying that right, but you, you th that person is not going to contort what you were trying to say, and and maybe your tone might be not the way you wanted to come off or something, but you're at least you're able to defend yourself a lot easier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For sure. Um, what do you look for in guests on your podcast? So I always want someone with a story 
with a passion, with a project, something that it, it just starts the conversation off on on an interesting note. So, you know, right now I'm I'm looking at, at people um, coming on. There's doctors and content creators and entrepreneurs because they they come on with with a passion and and want to tell their story. So that's really easy to make a podcast around because I, again, I, I don't have to coach them into to saying things. Um, I also look for people who have insights on on what's going on in the world. So you know mental health again is, a, is another easy one on especially advocates because they want to come on and, and share their story and their thoughts and, and where the, what they're trying to do. Um, I also, I, I take a great fascination in, again, that cultural discourse I was talking about earlier, like, you know, I want to learn about trans rights and trans issues and, and talk to, you know, people like that who are in the space, um, to share their thoughts. And, you know, not only am I giving them a, a platform to, to talk about it, but I, I'm genuinely curious and want to learn and want to do better. Same with, uh, racial issues, um, gender equality, uh, politics, uh, uh, all that type of stuff. I look for the conversations that are happening in the world um, right in front of us that a lot of people on social media aren't responsible enough to to handle or um, talk about sincerely um, and, you know, intellectually that it's just, you know, trolling or or stuff like that. So what's ha- what are people talking about what's interesting uh to me and what's going to make compelling content is what i kind of look for i find a lot of my guests on twitter um and and social media obviously um i look for people who do speaking engagements um uh, that do other podcasts that create content because those are the people who are most likely going to be able to share you know, of course, a dream, maybe one day you get famous people on there. But I truly believe that you don't need to be famous to have like this, a truly great story or a truly great project that you're working on that you just want to tell the world about. There's tons of people who are doing that. And if I can play some small role in getting their message out there while learning myself about everything they do and make a connection, I think that's like that's that's perfect. That's exactly what I set out to do. I love that you kind of take it as an education. Um, I, I, I try to do the same thing. Um, and I really like that, um, that you have what I, I don't, I don't want to come off offensive. I, this sounds dumb, but what I kind of term as regular people, just everyday folks like, like you and me and the, the, the people, those have been some of my best conversations is with people that just have, their own personal story and um it's it's sometimes it really opens your eyes to what people go through how people have overcome and it's uh the, the i didn't do that if well, i did i did do that at first i was kind of started out with friends and family and that sort of thing and then i delved into people with more prominence and things like that and then i went back to the the everyday people because like well first of all i was i hated getting rejected from 
higher profile people, but not just that, but it was, it was more engaging to speak to people that maybe didn't have a platform before and they were getting that opportunity to tell their story and they felt really empowered by that. And then there was some really good stuff that came out of it. So that was, those have been some of my best conversations. Yeah. And you know, like people who are famous now, like started where we were at one time for the most part. Um, that's one thing I always look at. Like you see a lot of people in the podcasting community, they don't want famous people getting in podcasting because they feel that's unfair because they already have kind of like a, uh, they already have their own audience mm. and now you're stealing my audience coming on a podcast. So I can appreciate that, you know, it's difficult, but my view is, you know, they're not going to be around forever. Who are going to be the next people who are coming up? So that that's, that's one sense. And I, I agree with you on my view is never to go after large people. One day, if I'm lucky and the audience base is there, yeah, I would love to talk to some famous people and famous scientists and famous, you know, uh, anthropologists, like going all over the map and, and just learn everything I can, like psychologists. Uh, anyway, that would be great. But there are so many smart people in in your, you know, like, connection list on your social media through you know universities where you live um through just through twitter you know maybe that's like an author who has a semi famous base but they might be willing to jump on not to mention when you're you know selfishly if you look at it this way as as a podcaster regular people are going to want to share your stuff they're going to want to tell people that they're on a podcast and hey go listen to me on this podcast Famous people don't necessarily need to do that. So while you may get those, like you get Brad Pitt on your podcast and it's great. If people still don't know about you, they're never going to hear that Brad Pitt was on your podcast. So selfishly, it's, it, you look, take a look at that and, and that kind of helps as well. Regular people, as we say, regular, they'll, they'll help market your podcast for you, especially if it's a, a guest driven podcast. And the power of social media is really great. Like, uh, I don't think that we ever had a conversation before I reached out to you about doing this, but we followed each other. I saw what you were doing, but, uh, yeah, that, that just struck absolutely. me. I, you, I saw that at the right time. You would just like, I just happened to be scrolling through. I was like, that's awesome. I want to talk to you. And I uh, <laughs> just created it. It created an opportunity. And that's another reason why I wanted to get into it was because I don't know, it seems harder and harder all the time to create connection and this gives me an excuse. Like, I don't have to be that weirdo. It's like, hey, man, I like what you do. I don't really know where to go with this conversation. But uh, now yeah. I have an excuse. Like, we can talk about it on here, and there's a reason for it. Yeah, and um, I appreciate you reaching out to me and, and having me on. It's, it's, it's always great to meet people. I find the mental health community, especially on Twitter, uh, you know, I made – not necessarily that we, we talk on DMs or they know where I live or I have my text number or anything like that, but, you know, liking each other's tweets, retweeting, spreading, you know, spreading the love. Like I find mental health Twitter is really, really good for that. Um, and then I've definitely found through doing this podcast, like this own little kind of community under me, like, so I'll have a guest on and then another guest on a couple episodes later and they're like, Oh, Hey, I loved that episode. Like, can you connect me with them? Cause I, I'd love to talk to them more about 
what I'm doing and maybe we can partner. And it's like, oh yeah, for sure. And you, you kind of connect them. And, oh, and you're the matchmaker you know, all of a sudden. Yeah. And then it, it kind of, it starts to come full circle. Um, social media is really great for that. I find, you know, when I'm at speaking engagements, like I made little business cards uh, for the podcast. And when I hear interesting people speak or, or meet people, I'm like, you know, here's my card. Would love to have you on the show or something. And, and you kind of build it up that way. It's, it's really not, I would go as far as to say that most people are very willing to accommodate and talk to you. Um, I should say, I think through social media, we all got kind of scared and, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to be annoying or you don't want to be uh, bothersome or, or a burden or come across as creepy or something by, by reaching out to someone just to, to talk and maybe try to make a new friendship. Um, social media has kind of taken that part of connectivity away from us. But when you, when you really branch out and put yourself out there a little bit more often than not, I would say people are, are actually willing to talk and, and make that connection and be happy to do so. I've decided it's my excuse. <laughs> uh, it works. Yeah. What have been some of your favorite uh, favorite parts of interviews? Favorite interviews in in whole? What What have been some of your favorite moments? I guess of doing the doing this podcast. Um, one of my favorite podcasts for sure was um, that Carrington uh, episode I, I mentioned earlier. Just because I I learned so much. And I was able to take some things that I was grappling with and seeing on social media and actually have a conversation with somebody about it. And, and it was non-judgmental. There was no, you know, accusatory uh, statements at each other. Like there were some things we differed on and it was, you know, a very like respectful, amicable conversation. And I learned a lot and, you know, if you listen to some earlier podcasts that I did and you listen to now, like it is quite evident that my perspective on some things has changed. And I think that's extremely important. And that's why I leave those episodes up there because I can go back and say, yeah, look, what I thought then maybe was wrong or, or uneducated, but through this process, I've totally learned like a whole bunch of new information and facts and perspectives that I didn't have before and i've i've evolved myself as a human so that was definitely a big one for me um i was lucky enough to be featured at um the first ever ottawa podcast festival we had here in the summer um in ottawa which is where i live um i had uh and this was another thing where i'm like who am i going to convince to come on a stage with me <laughs> and do a live episode of the podcast in front of a crowd so I just put it out on Twitter. Um, like we talked about earlier, my my passion, my kind of what I'm being known for, I guess, a little bit is mental health. So I was like, okay, if I'm going to introduce my my podcast and my brand to people, I'm going to have someone on that with mental health. Um, I wanted something more science-y, though, so where people could really learn. So I was extremely fortunate um, to get connected with um, – a PhD student. Her name is Anna Santos. She's studying uh, neuroscience here in Ottawa, Carleton, and she um, she specializes in learning about the gut microbiome. 
biome and how that affects mental health. Now, are you familiar with what that what that is? Yeah. Okay. So for people who don't know, gut microbiome is the bacteria in your gut um, that basically is starting to be studied. And some people would even go as far to say in their, in their research that it's your second brain. And when you start to delve into it and, and what the bacteria in your gut actually does and what it affects in your life and how it affects your mental health, it's extremely fascinating. So to have her on and share some of her research and what she's learned in her studies and what she's going to go on to research was incredibly interesting and fascinating to me. Like, how what you put in your body and what you do how it can affect you know your mental health that it actually affects who you are as a person um to me like what's more interesting than that um so that's another highlight for me um and then like i was talking about those uh speaking engagements um I was at a benefit for um, the Canadian Museum of Nature here in Ottawa, which is our National Museum of Nature and Natural Sciences. Um, to ha- there was a, a speaker, her name was Emma Kazam, and she was just a young woman talking about her experiences in travel. And um, I was like, she sounds really cool. So I just, I approached her after. I was like, hey, I'm really not trying to be creepy, but I have this podcast. I would love to have you on if you're ever interested and she was and i had her on and um super interesting girl not only through her travels but you know she studies food science um she she's jewish and uh, i'm from a really small town and i was like i've literally only ever met one jewish person before so let's (laughs) talk about that um so just like a just a incredibly interesting conversation that came from almost nothing and then i had her sister on her younger sister who she's only 16 but she or 17 but she speaks about anti-semitism and and all those things so that through her another connection and episode came up and what an incredible family they are um and such you know high achievers for for young adults it's it's really inspiring um you know I take everything from every single, I could go on, I could go through every episode and be like, here's why this was interesting. And this how this was interesting. Um, so, you know, I've, I've just been really fortunate to meet really, really interesting and incredible people who are doing really inspiring things. Um, my most listened to episode was my election special um, going into the Canadian election with um, Caroline O'Neill who uh, works in the same building as me, but for a different company. And she's a, a journalist and reporter. And, you know, you, once you just meet people who have this incredible wealth of knowledge for a certain subject, you can just talk to them all day and pick their brain. You're just like, wow, what, what about this? And what about this? And just, they know everything about every story mm-hmm. and every person and, and, you know, talk about politics. And that was right when the Trudeau blackface scandal broke, like literally that day, I was, we were going to record this, the, the special, but then we went into an hour on, on all that because it literally broke that day. So, you know, just like you said, you're, you are now reaching out to people and making these connections. Um, and it, it's an excuse for you to, to talk to people and meet people and expand, you know, your, your knowledge and your base and, and your friends list or follower count. Um, it's a, it's the same thing for me. And it just, meeting these people who are so intelligent and so passionate and so driven 
to me, it's just like, like gets me motivated. I'm like, Holy hell, like, let's, let's go, let's do this. Like I just taking something from everybody. As you can see, I'm like so frantic talking about everybody. Cause it's it just, it's true. Like they inspire me and they, they encourage me to keep doing more things and better things, not only for my podcast, but for, you know, mental health or for my, my job, uh, my family, my friends, my girlfriend, all that type of stuff. It, they're always inspiring. I can take so much from every one of them. Oh, I identify with that a lot. And um, there are a few things I want to pick out of what you just said there, and then I'm going to circle back. Sure. Um, but first, like, what has blown me away doing it is the number of people that I know that like I've, I've interviewed people that are family or friends or acquaintances and, and I know them a little bit. And then I sit down with them in this, in this medium and learn things that blow my mind. And I had no idea. And there's so much more depth to the person that you understand. And you have so much, such a greater appreciation for the person after you're done with it. Though Those have been some of the coolest ones for me. Yeah. Um, 100%. Yeah, uh, I want to go back to the the microbiome conversation. I need to go dig out that episode because I'm actually like actively trying to find ways to, um, I guess, foster good gut bacteria, for lack of mm-hmm. a better word, for and trying to absorb as much information as I can and trying to uh, improve that for physical health and mental health. So that that's really interesting that you had that conversation. I need to go find that. Um, the podcasting on stage is really cool. I I've been like envisioning wanting to do that someday, and I love mm-hmm. that you've done it and uh, that it was a positive experience for you because that's that reinforces my desire to get to that point that I would like to uh, to get out and do it live. I I I feel like I've I've heard before that there's been mixed results on that. Sometimes with an audience, it just falls kind of flat. But that's that's really interesting. Yeah, it's it's. Uh... For me, it was a really interesting experience. You know, like it was a blur. <laughs> um, if you ask me anything, I, I set up there almost. It was. Uh, <laughs> it, it's. I'm like, yeah, you know, you're just, you're in the moment. You're having the conversation, and both uh, myself and Anna, when we got off, were like, I don't even remember anything I said. And I think that goes to speak when you have people who are like on TV um, or do things like that professionally. How, how challenging it is and how much respect you should have for them that like they can go up there say a bunch of stuff and they're not like totally freaking out on the inside and they, <laughs> they come out of it and they're like oh yeah like totally remember everything i said so that that was one aspect of it um another thing being in front of an audience um just like comedy or just like uh you know professional speaking or or anything like that not everyone is there to listen to you so you know, maybe you have an audience base and, and a fan base that come and love everything you do. But now you're out there in front of people who have never heard about you before. Who is this person up here in front of me? You know, you're you're trying to engage with a totally new crowd who, quite frankly, might not be interested in the subject that you're you're trying to tackle. Mm. Um, my podcast was the only guest podcast on there, so everyone else already had established chemistry um established kind of format what they were talking about whereas mine was is kind of just like a free-for-all um what happens happens what's said is said um so that was uh, to to put together in front of an audience but i was really lucky everyone was extremely encouraging and that's why 
you know, I wanted someone interesting and I'm, I'm so gracious for reaching out and coming on because not only for me as someone who wanted to do this, now it's like someone else who just <laughs> like has no skin in the game here. They're, they're just totally doing this as like pretty much a, as a favor. Um, I've never met them before. We had one phone conversation beforehand just to, so I could help, you know, put things into perspective. So I know you and me both like to say, we like to go in blind to things and have an authentic conversation, but for something like that, you want to kind of accommodate the guests. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> it's a little, a little different uh, scenario, but you know, and when you're, you know, I don't know if you edit your podcast, I don't edit mine unless it's like a, a severe in, like case where I need to. Um, but when you're doing it in front of an audience, even if I edit it, it was still said in front of people. So yeah. You have to be a little bit more wary about that. <laughs> there's a lot to unpack there. There's, uh, there's uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a vision. I I need to get better at uh, refining the the interview process. Probably tighten it up a bit. Not riff for forty five minutes on podcasts, but uh, we will. Uh, I'll get there. I hope. Uh, the last thing I wanted to mention about uh, about what you're talking about there was the uh, leaving your old podcast up despite your change in in views on some things. And I relate mm-hmm. to that from the perspective not so much my views because my views haven't necessarily changed since I started, but what has changed is my quality of my interviews, the quality of the audio, just everything about it. And uh, I guess the subject matters change as well. When I started the podcast, I was kind of like in the throes of like the worst depression of my life. It mm. got worse after I started. I documented it all. It's all out there for the world to see. And I get some anxiety about that. Like that kind of freaks me out now that I'm kind of better. And I'm like, oh, that there's some dark stuff on there and kind of, I bared my soul for anybody to go and see. And that's kind of terrifying, but I leave it up there because the intent of the podcast from the beginning was to help people that were kind of in that state and that needed to hear that somebody was in it too and that they needed and mm-hmm. that it was going to be okay, I guess. And that I've, and that I've improved, I guess, is, is soulless and that there's, there's an opportunity to improve. So um, I identify with that. Definitely. There's some stuff out there. Maybe I don't want to be out there, but I, I'm I'm leaving it there. Yeah, I think it it speaks to the evolution of, you know, you as a person and and as your content. Um, that people, you know, if you went to listen to the first episode and went to where you are now, that you would you would hope that you there would be growth, right? You pick up things, especially in a in an interview style type podcast, a conversation that, you know, how to pick up on how to, to circle back on things, how to, you know, one of my, my guilty things is I'll, uh, I'll ask either like a bunch of questions in one question. So now <laughs> a joke is I'll still do it because it's just who I am as a person and I can't, I can refine it, but I won't necessarily change it because I, when people say something, I get excited about it. I'm like, Oh, well, what about this? But I will literally say, look, I know I just asked you a lot of questions there. So let's start with the number one. Um, or I'll go off on tangents. Like I'll just, start talking about something that they said that it makes me think of. And then I'll, I'll talk for a bit and then come back in, you know, can that be cleaned up and refined? Of course it could, but I think it also speaks to who the host is as an interviewer, as an, as a person, right? Like I like to have profound thoughts on things and 
when you're talking to somebody and as they come up, like, I think that speaks to the conversation. Um, for my, my content, you know, I've, I've shared things, especially on my own journey. Like I went through a, a detailed where, where it will have like a detailed my mental health story, you know, going through everything, including my suicide attempt. So I'm okay with leaving that up there, which some things I get a little wary about is in my earlier podcast, I was, a uh, you know, going through a rough time. And I said some things that would definitely be considered insensitive to a lot of people. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say anything was incredibly offensive or anything, but people would think that it's insensitive to me. And it was absolutely, but I leave it up there because I wanted to tell the story of how I evolved by doing this podcast of, of, you know, I'm not afraid to admit that I was wrong and that I've learned and that I've, you know, became a better person by maybe saying those things, um, and, and, and learning from them by having other people hear them and say, Hey, I heard you said this thing. Um, I don't agree. Here's why maybe think about it this way. It's like, Oh yeah. Okay, great. Never thought about it that way. Thank you for, for pointing that out to me. You know, Mm. There's nothing better for me than having someone not affirm my views, right? You said it earlier that like you were having some positive reinforcement yeah. on your thoughts. And of course, that's great. It's like, okay, maybe I'm not the only one who thinks this way. Absolutely. But on the same token that I get really uh, like appreciative of people who are like, Ryan, I think you're wrong. Here's why. Oh, okay. Never thought about it that way. Mm. And that goes back to the Joe Rogan thing may not agree with you, but I'm going to listen and maybe pick out some things that I agree with. Yeah. And I can respect um, your perspective on most things, you know? And I think that's, I mean, I don't know about you. That's the the goal of me talking to people and, and, and having a podcast is to learn. And I'm just documenting this kind of journey of who I'm trying to be and, and just hoping people come along with it and enjoy it and, and also learn something from it. That's an interesting segue, the the idea of uh, taking people on the journey of who you want to be. I'm interested in, you're also a, a speaker and an advocate for mental health. I'm just, um, I'm curious to know what, what is your, your backstory on, on how, uh, how you came to be an advocate? What's your personal right. experience? Um, so it started on Twitter. Um, so I went through a lot of stuff in my, you know, late teens to early early 20s that I never really talked about um and then I referenced that suicide attempt so um after that you know I started to get help um went on medication uh went through that whole process um but even back you know this was 2008 to 2013 you know people still weren't really talking about mental health like they are now and say what you will about ballots talk day whether it's corporate greed or or whatever um i think it actually has done a tremendous amount of good in terms of the way we talk about mental health on social media do we still have ways to go absolutely but um i think it's really opened up the conversation because even when i was 21 22 and and tw- like 2012 2013 um no one was really talking about it. So I didn't know anything was wrong. Um, I knew 
things weren't right with me, but like, I didn't know it was anxiety. I didn't know it was depression. I just was like, Oh, like I'm just, I can push through. I can, I can get through it. So with Bell, it's talk day. Um, and I started seeing more and more people like, you know, sharing their story openly. It was in 2015 that I finally went public with kind of my story and my suicide attempt more specifically. So, um, that's when like the community kind of opened up, you know, like not only were friends and family, you know, they're supporting me. Um, people who like I hadn't talked to since high school, all of a sudden were supporting me. Acquaintances were, and then to complete strangers on, on the internet were also supporting me. So it was kind of like that, that Eureka moment where it was like, Oh, like my words and my story have power like I said earlier, one of the things with me is like, I have no problems being open and authentic and, and sharing my true self with people. So it was really easy to kind of share my story and my thoughts, especially on social media. So that's kind of how it all started. Um, as far as the speaking part came through, um, I was going through a really rough time at work uh, that um, I wasn't talking about, you know, even though I'm talking about some things on social media in real life, still wasn't talking about it to a lot of people. Um, one day my boss called me into her office and just kind of sat me down. She's like, what's wrong? Answered, what do you mean? What's wrong? Nothing's wrong. Everything's fine. She's like, no, it's not. Um, people have been asking in the hallways, you know, your demeanor's off, your work's kind of suffering. What's going on? So I was like, well, do you really want to know? She said, yep. I'm like, okay. So like, I just told her everything that, you know, I felt worthless, that work was making me suicidal, that, um, you know, like I just, I didn't want to be alive anymore. Uh, and this job was really creating a lot of it at the time. So she said, you know, dissected it. Okay. Um, at that time when I shared that, I was I was literally leaving for kind of like a work training program in Toronto. Uh, so I was driving from Ottawa, Toronto that afternoon and then coming back the next day for some, after something. So um, that left me from Ottawa to about a four-hour drive. So that was basically eight hours of just me in a car and a lot of thinking time. And I decided that what was going to make me feel better and that was going to make me have worth was to do something for mental health. So um, at a radio station, you know, we put together charity campaigns all the time. Um, and I, I wanted to do something like that. And I just said, you know, give me the blessing to do it. I will come to you with advice and approvals. I won't do anything that's, you know, that won't help the brand and, and everything like that. And she said, okay, go for it. So um, at the time I was single. And the radio stations I work for target women. So I was in the dating scene, um, talking to women. I'm like, you know, learning. I'm like, what what do women want? Like, what what makes them happy? What gets them excited? What makes them talk? Um, and the answer to me was animals, more specifically dogs. So I came up with this idea uh, with dogs. Um, it's similar to a kind of those therapy dogs. Um, I got airports that you know with mental health and animals like there's a, there's a, a correlation there scientifically proven that animals help improve mental health so what i decided to do is put together this just campaign 
Uh, we called it Cause for Pause. And basically, we set up at five different locations in Ottawa and encouraged people through the radio stations and social media to come to one of these locations uh, on each different days, make a donation uh, of any amount, and you get to spend time with these uh, adoptable rescue animals. Um, and all of the money that we raised was going to be split between this animal shelter uh, for the rescue dog shelter, which was sit with me shelter dog rescue here in Ottawa and with DIFD. Are you familiar with do it for Darren at the Royal? Yes. Yes. Perfect. So there are youth mental health organizations started by the Richardson family who uh, Luke Richardson was a, a former NHL hockey player. He's currently coach of the Montreal Canadians and was coach of the senators at the time when their daughter, Darren committed suicide for those who don't know. Um, so they started this organization focusing on youth mental health. And I've been a huge, huge believer that if we can help teens and, and youth um, figure out the mental health space and the resources available and how to recognize things and where to get help that we can undo a lot of damage you know, later in life, and that we don't have to reach people when they're in crisis. So they're an organization that I believed in. So they were on board, um, and we just we split the profit or all the stuff that we raised 50-50 between the, the two organizations. Uh, the first year we raised four thousand, just over four thousand. This year we raised about five and a half thousand on year two. So we're sitting at about twelve, twelve and a half thousand raised for these two organizations. Um, but through that, DIFD funds um, part of their mandate and their funding is a workshop for teenagers in high schools called Is It Just Me? So they have, um, you know, psychologists and counselors and everything there. They're, they're going through addiction and they go through what depression looks like and anxiety and substance abuse and all that type of stuff. Uh, but they also have two personal speakers share their story um, as part of the part of the program that day. So because I was involved with DIFD, um, one day I was talking to one of the people who worked there, just sharing my story and why they, that whole story I just shared with you. Um, and she's like, would you be interested in doing public speaking? Because we really have trouble finding men, um, especially young men willing to talk um, and share their story. And, you know, that's something I always wanted to do and help. So I said, yes, of course. Um, so that's where I got started uh, doing it at the Royal Hospital, the Royal Mental Health Center here in Ottawa. Um, then just from there and sharing my story there and through social media, it, it's started to branch out into other organizations and, and other kind of charities. But that I mean, that's a very long-winded answer, but I think it's important to to share the the whole story on how I get involved because it wasn't just an overnight thing. Um, it, it was a lot of years in the making and a lot of doing different things to finally um, have someone trust me enough to, to share my story and, and think that it would help people. Yeah, that's really inspiring. And I'm going to steal a sentiment that I got from uh, one of your podcasts and that was that it seems to be a recurring theme that people who go through something with their mental health more often than not want to turn that into a positive for other people and uh you're a case of that i see it all the time and it's it's really it's really cool um it's almost like <laughs> um 
it seems it just seems like good people go through mental health struggles. It's in it's uh that's not exclusively good people, but it seems like more often than not you've got really good people that are just going through something. Yeah, I think I've always equated it to that one, people who suffer from mental illness, I think are extremely empathetic. We understand what it feels like more than most what it feels like to feel like garbage, you know, like to have no self-worth, to, you know, maybe want to commit suicide, um, want to do self-harm, you know, want to, you know, you, just, you don't have an opinion of yourself. And I think a lot of people too, you know, I, I feel like such crap. I don't know if I can swear on your podcast, but I'll go for that. it <laughs> that I don't want anyone else to feel this way. And I know that for me, it was a big reason why I wanted to help. It's like, you know, I feel like crap, but I don't want anyone else to feel this way. Um, so I'm going to do what I can to make sure no one else feels as shitty as I do. Um, I think with the mental health space, it's, you know, you can sit there and wallow in it. And of course, every now and again, it's, it's perfectly okay to do so. But I think for a lot of us, when we sought help, you know, it was probably at the lowest point that we were at. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem with our, our, our system right now. You know, there's not enough money going into it. And when you have so many people now with the end the stigma campaign, which don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not putting down. It's incredibly important that we're ending stigma and, and having conversations around it. More and more people are seeking help now that our, our systems are literally cracking at the seams. There's, you can't reach help until you, you know, reach the crisis mode and that's where you get immediate ER help. There's not a lot of help for people who don't have money, who can't afford therapy, maybe don't have benefits that I think a lot of us in this space recognize that. And they're like, how can we change that? A big thing for me is fundraising and raising money because, you know, we can't just rely on, on the government to, to fund these things socially. There's just, we can sit there and tweet about it all day, but it's it's not happening and it's not happening fast enough. So I think whether you agree that it's right that it's on us um, or on as us as humans and as a, a community and as a society, frankly, that's the way it is right now. We need to step up and, and do things. So, you know, raising money for Cause or Pause, you know, I've raised a couple of thousand dollars in the run for women uh, here in Ottawa, which raises money for uh, women's mental health. Um, I have a couple other projects I'm working on to, to raise money. For me, that's the thing because, yeah, listening to me talk about it all day and, and seeing things that you agree with and you're like, oh, maybe I need help does no good if you can't find help immediately. Mm -hmm. you, you know, so how can we how can we actually get help to people that need it quicker and more efficiently? Um, I think that's the next step of this this evolution of reforming mental health in our society. Uh, you, you'd mentioned earlier that you felt like uh, you were very, you've always been very open about things. Um, you, you, you'd also mentioned that you were a bit reserved at first to truly explain to your boss what was going on. Um, did you ever, when I talked to Michael Landsberg, he said there was never, like he never felt shame about having depression. Like that's just who he was he would tell anybody that's the way it was. 
never had another thought about it. For me, I didn't want anyone to know that I was weak like that. That's how I thought at the time. Did uh, Where were you on that? No, I didn't necessarily feel ashamed about it. Um, I think there is still a lot of stigma around it in the workplace. Um, even to this day, excuse me, I still don't feel right taking a mental health day, you know? Yeah, I get that. Um, yeah, it, uh, it's interesting. Uh, and I know it's important, but I still feel a guilt around it. And I think that's just the way we as a culture still have a long ways to go in reforming. And like, don't get me wrong. Like I, my boss would totally support me taking a day. Absolutely. 100%. No doubts in my mind. Even at that time, if I was to say, I don't feel right, I need to go home, there would be zero issue. But there's, it's something that's like inherently built in, in a lot of us right now, you know, um, whether it's the hustle mentality, or the the grind, or you gotta always be busy, you know, you, you hear a lot of those sentiments shared. Um, it's, it's just like something that's ingrained that like, I need to be doing something. Um, and I don't feel right not doing something. I also, I, I don't do well in an extended time alone with my thoughts. That's something I'm working on through therapy, but I often, if I'm alone too long, will regress into unhealthy patterns in my thinking. So for me, it's like, well, I might as well be here at work doing at least doing something because it's going to distract me from kind of losing myself and other things. But I've never felt shame or, or guilt. Um, to be honest, when I was diagnosed, it was a relief that, you know, that, I, that my feelings were kind of validated, that I wasn't, you know, getting lost and there was some sort of treatment. Um, that, that's kind of my experience with the whole thing, at least. Yeah, I, I just had a vision as soon as you said that, that when I went in, I was basically at a crisis point, went to see a psychologist, explained it, and then he's like, okay, we need to put you off work. And I literally was like, what? Like, this is real? Like, you you believe me on this? Like, it was it was that kind of thing. It was just this, aha, okay, this is validation. This is real. Like, you know, this is legitimate. I'm not just, you know, soft or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I think... Like it's that whole conversation, the stigma change, I think a lot of people are realizing that and are at least coming to grips with that, that like there really is no shame. Like we're, we're sick. It's, it's just something we have to deal with um, and, and learn to live with and, and fight every day to try to overcome it. It, it. it should have nothing to do with guilt. But I think as a, a society, as a, a whole, we still have a lot of kind of like a indoctrination of you know what's right and what we need to do and anything less you know is is not good or you might get fired i mean it doesn't help for a lot of people who have depression and anxiety that if i take a mental health day my anxiety is probably saying you're going to get fired you know like that's a that's a, a real thing for me at least so um we've got a lot of work to do to help kind of break down those those things that have been instilled in us, uh, you know, by, by our, our parents or our grandparents or by 
commercials or TV or movies. Yeah. Um, it's going to take a, a long while, probably after our lifetime, to be honest, to, to actually get rid of that. I hope not, but I, I, I respect and understand where you're coming from on that. I hope that um, I hope we can move yeah. faster on that. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree, but I'm also uh, very pragmatic in my thinking, and it takes a long time for anything uh, to actually make change and, and get moving, whether that's through the government and bureaucracy or, or changing people's lines of thinking. Um, it's just that's just human that things like this take a long, long time yeah. um, to truly, when I talk about this, I'm not saying that things aren't going to get better and things aren't going to, to break down. They will. And they will in our lifetime. Absolutely. And things will become more positive, but to totally have a dismantling of, of the way our structure and our, our economy and our politics are all based right, based right now that are, in my view, incredibly harmful for mental health, that that's going to take a long, long, long time. Yeah, it's fair. Uh, I don't want to keep you too much longer, Ryan, and appreciate your time tonight. Uh, one one last question I, I want to throw at you. Um, I had um, a guest on earlier this week uh, who was um, also a public speaker. And uh, th- it was actually the first podcast he'd ever done. And he had, mm. he had admitted that he was incredibly nervous to speak with me, but he'd done a number of public engagements in front of auditoriums of students or uh, young adults uh, in the past, and he was very comfortable with it. And I, and I was, I found that interesting because I would go the opposite way. That um, I I find this and very easy. It's one to one. Yeah, we put it out to the world, but. It's just you and me talking, and then whoever whoever's going to listen to us can listen to it passively. Whereas if you're in front of an audience, those people are kind of more or less forced to listen to you. And I I just feel like there's a lot of anxiety that comes with that. Mm. Um, so just I I'm interested to know the difference for you between doing the podcast and public speaking. How do you uh, you know how do you look at the two, and what's different about them? Yeah, I mean you hit the nail on the head that it's it's a lot easier for me to you know, sit here and answer your questions or, you know, ask you questions and just have like a conversation that, you know, we were sitting at the pub having a beer, just talking about life. That is, that's easier. Um, there's definitely more of a, a thrill, I think, uh, going out in front of an audience and, and, and talking. It's a lot more uh, emotionally taxing to go out and do it in front of an audience because, you're really in the moment and you can see people's reactions to the things you're saying and that you are kind of living out your story to a lot of people in real time. Um, so, you know, and if people ask you questions, I remember the, my first speech, someone asked me what your, my parents' reaction was to finding out that I tried to commit suicide. And like, I, like I broke down basically at that question because I, you know, you don't think about that. And, and, you know, now, now this people are are able to ask you questions in real time at, at the things you're saying. So you're a lot more vulnerable. Your, your emotions are a lot more out there to, to this. It's like, yeah, people are going to listen, but I don't, I don't have to see them. I might not necessarily have to answer questions i might never even hear from them um but to do it in front of people and you can just take it 
all in and it's just it's just you in this auditorium full of a couple hundred people it's like it's, it's, it's it can be a little daunting and you're right the anxiety is there but i think it's also important for people to on the flip side see your reaction and and the way you go through the story um you know i i i like to mask behind humor so i try to throw some fun things in there even though my my story is serious um that's just that's just who i am but um to get laughter you know that's always a good thing like you you get people engaged because they're they're listening and they're laughing and they're like oh okay like this might not be super boring and and things like that so there's there's just a lot to it um and you're also kind of like you know the organizer is depending on you to to deliver something um not Mm -hmm. to say you're not depending on me but like you know maybe you're paid to do it um so there's definitely a little more pressure as well uh then and that you don't want to necessarily say the wrong thing or have people take something the wrong way and and leave with the wrong message so there's definitely a lot of stuff riding on it yeah so we definitely see eye to eye on that again um that (laughs) it would be much harder i don't i have never done a public engagement at least not in mental health and uh, that's that's all very daunting to me. So it, it's nice to know that uh, I'm not alone on that one, and that the other guy was the anomaly. Um, yeah. that's, that's cool. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to add, Ryan, that we haven't covered yet? Uh, hmm. no, I don't think so. I mean, um, my my message to people, I guess, with my my story is that you know I've never. I've never experienced like a, a trauma. You know, I came from white middle class, you know, parents who loved me, tons of friends, super popular, played for the town hockey team. You know, like I had everything I wanted. I was what society tells you you should have to be happy, basically. And that yet I couldn't figure out why I wasn't happy. And that spiraled. So my message when I'm, I'm talking to, to people is that, like, I don't have anything special about my story. Um, you know, when I, when I first got into mental health and speaking and talking to people, that my impression was, like, something tra- traumatic had to happen to you in order for you to, to have depression. Um, and that just wasn't the case for me. And I don't think it's a, a lot of the case for a lot of people. It just... It's just something that happens. Um, so that's one thing that, you know, like anyone can experience this. So be positive and listen to people and that like just, you know, it's it's an old cliche, but like you don't know what other people are going through. Um, even the troll on the Internet, um, you know, chances are they're probably going through something. And so my my. I guess message is like for me, it's like kill them with kindness, positivity, just there's no sense of taking it to people or anything. It's just, you know what, this person's having a rough time with their life. I'm just, Hey, have a great day, man. Like, sorry, you feel that way, (laughs) that type of thing, um, at least for the trolls. But I think for everything, just, just try to spread the positivity. My other message for people (laughs) on this one is extremely, extremely important for me is that there is not one thing you can do or what not one cure for a mental illness or depression so i get a lot of people who are like ah i had a bad therapy session i don't believe in therapy it doesn't work oh i take medication it didn't work for me 
um, I'm not going to take it anymore. And then they continue to suffer. My message to, to people is everything is a part of the package to making mental health your full-time job. That's, that's pretty much the thesis of what I try to, to bring that exercise is important and is part of it. Your nutrition is part of it. Your socialization and, and social activity and friends and family is important. Your love life, your relationships, your sex, your job, your medication, your therapy, holistic treatments, hobbies, passion, all of this stuff, it's not one thing that will make will make it all better. It's all of these things that are going to make these things better for you. And you have to take a, an approach that involves all or many of those things in order to try to reach a point of, you know, you might not ever recover, but at least make a point of like a livable, somewhat happy life. It's important to involve all these things and not rely on one thing as a fix cure all type solution. I find a lot of people in the mental health space kind of go that route that they're like, I'm on meds and it's not working. Give me something else that works for you. It's like, no, 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 no. You're like, it'll help, but you need to do other things as well. It's not, it's not a cure. Um, and I think I just, I always want to hit that point home for people, um, that when you're dealing with your mental health, it's, it's everything that goes into it. It's make it a full-time job. It's think about how, you know, your mental health is going to be affected by everything you do. And I think that's how people are going to reach a point of, okay, this is somewhat manageable for me and I can live a mostly normal life, if not totally normal life. Yeah, yeah, you bang on, man. Uh, I love every bit of that, and I appreciate uh, your insights and all of that. Um, I want to wrap it up with this. And you had said kind of early on that you like this format because it's more like sitting at a pub having a beer together. Well, I don't think we would have had this level of detail if we had sat in a pub having a beer together because we've gone into so much detail in in, in an hour plus and. There's there's something strange about and but wonderful and delightful about this medium, where you it forces people for some reason to have conversations that you wouldn't otherwise have. I don't think we would sit in a pub and talk like this. I don't necessarily disagree with you. Um, I think if we were out for a beer, we would uh, because this is just who I am. Uh, <laughs> to share some insight, my first date with my girlfriend. Uh, like we talked about friggin' everything. Like I'm just an open book, um, and things like things you should not be talking about on a first date. We're talked about. Um, <laughs> I won't bring it into detail other than that, but um, I just I just believe in being open and authentic and non-judgmental. I think that's important in a healthy way to live. Um, you know, I. This is controversial to a lot of people, but I have friends on both sides of the political spectrum who believe oh, no. different things. And I think it's I think it's healthy to to get into conversations like that and have debates and 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 do all those things. And um I have no problem talking to people about anything in a public setting. That's that's who I am. But I do understand a lot of people also don't have that comfortability. Um or being comfortable enough to do that. And I, that's where I agree with you wholeheartedly in this, this podcast space that you just, people get lost in the conversation and have, 
a much more authentic conversation because they're not worried about, you know, people looking at them or, or people mm. might overhear them. Um, funny enough that it's being put out so people can hear it. But like <laughs> when you're in the moment, you don't think about it, right? You're just, you're just yeah. talking to somebody. Um, but yeah, I've definitely said way too many dumb things in public that people have heard. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't mind me. I'm just a crazy redhead. But uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's, just, that's just my belief anyway. I, just, I believe the world is starving of, of authenticity and I want to make myself as authentic as possible um, and just be who I am. Because, you know, out on, on my depression is not proud of who I am, but I do believe and it might sound egotistical um but i do believe i have a lot to be proud of and while i have a lot of shortcomings and weaknesses and things i'm working on that i do want to be comfortable with who i am and sharing who i am and my thoughts and my my beliefs without being you know persecuted or judged so i I just think that's important for everybody yeah i think that's a very healthy perspective um as we wrap up, Brian, uh, a couple of things. Where can people find you if they want to connect with you, plug your podcast again, and how can they vote for you for the Faces Magazine Award? Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Um, you can follow the podcast, so Life in Red Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, Life in Red Pod on Twitter, and Life in Red Podcast.com. I'm at Big Red Ryan uh, 01, Big Red Ryan 01 on Instagram and Twitter uh faces awards so you go to uh faces typing up on my computer as we fake faces mag mag dot ca they have the awards there you go to media and you can just pop into podcaster um and you'll see there's a lot of people uh that you can vote for for different things so it's uh it's a really it's a neat award for local people for sure so um if you want to check me out i appreciate it send me a message anytime um my email and stuff's on the website uh and i'm always happy to connect with people and uh and chat and sorry to put you on the spot literally (laughs) sorry to put you on the spot but do you know when those awards close i believe might be better just sooner than later vote (laughs) yeah so i mean this podcast comes out in january so you have until january 23rd at noon good Um, to know so uh, probably not a lot of time. Listen, not not heartbroken if people don't vote, but uh, I, I appreciate people giving me a listen um, and, and connecting with me and, and having conversations. Awesome. Well, uh, I'm glad we've connected. We've had this very lengthy conversation. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I appreciate your insights, and uh, thank you for doing this. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate connecting with you too. So what'd you think? Ryan's great, isn't he? So again, if you want to vote for Ryan for his uh, Faces Magazine Award for Best Podcast in Ottawa, go to facesmag.ca slash awards and then scroll down to media. You'll find the podcast category there and vote for Life in Red. And again, if you want to check out Ryan's podcast, check out Life in Red. Uh, Just put anywhere you get your podcasts or go to lifeinredpodcast.com. Uh, Ryan, thanks again, man, for taking part and uh, being willing to share your story and uh, talk about all things with me on this podcast. I love doing these ones with the other podcasters. 
So, I hope you liked it too, you the listener. And uh, tell your friends about this podcast. Like, rate, subscribe, review. Get the word out that my podcast is worth listening to. If you made it to the end here, then you certainly agree with that statement. I'm going to leave it at that. Thanks everybody for listening, and we'll check you in again soon.